This week's parsha is Parshas Emmer. And the great part about Parshas Emmer is that it comes in the middle of the sphere always, and it always talks about Shavuot. So you always have a natural uh, topic to talk about that's very timely uh, when we get up to Parshas Emmer. And the Torah, of course, says, Usvartem lochem imachers that you're supposed to count from the day after Shabbos, meaning the day after the first day of Pesach, Sheva Shabbosais Tamimais Tiena. You're supposed to count 49 days, seven whole weeks. And the Ramban says the following Umana Mimeno Tisha Varbam Yaim. You're supposed to count 49 days, Shiva Shavuois, seven weeks. Kimei Eilam. Kimei Eilam. What does that mean, Kimei Eilam? Kimei Eilam means that the same way that there are seven days of every week, and this is something, by the way, that is one of the riots to the fact that the Torah is true, because in every society around the world, you can go to any place in the world, it could be in Russia, it could be in Europe, it could be in... United States, it could be in Africa, and Asia, everybody keeps a seven-day week. It's an amazing thing. The, the, this is like something that's makubal around the entire world, that there's seven days in a week. Now, where did that come from? Why shouldn't there be a ten-day week or a five-day week? Where is seven? Because there are seven days of the Misa Bereshis, Sheshitimea Misa, and Shabbos. And this is a raya that... HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world in six days, rested on Shabbos, and this is something that's kavua, it's established in the world as being a fact. Now, people have, of course, denied that over the course of time, but the very fact that there are seven days in the week throughout the world points to the fact that there is a concept of Bria Sa'elam, and there's a Shabbos, and this is supposed to be mechazik our own emunah and the Rabbi but the Ramban is saying that the fact that there are seven weeks to the Sira is Kimeilam. That's not a coincidental number. It's not random that there should be seven weeks between Pesach and Shavuos. These seven weeks are designed to parallel the seven days of the week of our of our regular week. But it's of course every day gets its own week throughout these days of Sira and it's Kimei Eilam. Now what does this mean that it's Kimei Eilam? What is the Ramban trying to tell us over here? So I saw in a sefer called Bad Kaidesh, which is by Rivero Pravarsky, Shlita, the Rashiva and Panovich today. He says a beautiful pshad and I want to perhaps elaborate on what, he, uh, what he's saying and that's going to be the topic of today's Shmuz. He says that during these days, when we're preparing for Ma'antaira, we're preparing to go to Harsinai, to Makabal the Taira, in this period of time, from Pesach until Shavuos, he says that we have to remind ourselves that the entire world was built for Taira. At the beginning of Sefer Bereshis, in the very first Pasuk of Sefer Bereshis, on the very first word in the Taira, Bereshis bar Lekim, it doesn't say Reshis bar Lekim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created 
at the beginning, but biracious. The word biracious, with the starting with the bays, Rashi famously says immediately from a chazal that it's bishvil hatayra shenikra racious, and it's bishvil yisrael shenikra racious. Which means that the entire Tyra was biracious, it was bishvil racious. This entire world, as dazzling, as busy, as important, as prominent as it may be in our eyes, was really all built for Klal Yisrael and for the Tyra. Biracious, bishvil hatayrish nikraracious, bara elikim shamay maritz. The entire creation of earth, the entire creation of heaven, the entire creation of light and darkness and water, animals, fish, air, the cosmos, the galaxies, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything that we know, that we study every day, that we think about, that we see, that surrounds us, that we take as being part of such a great world that we live in, every little oxygen molecule, it's all Bishvil HaTayra. Everything in this world is for Tyra and for us and for Kuala Yisrael. This is something that the Tyra sets out in the very first word of the Tyra, that it's Biracious, Bishvil HaTayra Shnikraracious. And the world as we know it, being that it's for Tyra, we have to understand as we're approaching Shavuos, we get seven weeks, Kimei Eilam. The number seven is supposed to mirror and reflect the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world in six days, rested on Shabbos, so there's a seven-day period of Brias Eilam. And by going through seven weeks in preparation of Mount Tyra, we give ourselves a reminder that the world as we know it, the seven days of Bria Sa'ilam, is really all for the Tyra. As we're approaching Matan Tyra and we're counting Shiva Shavuos, it's telling us emphatically that the Tyra and the world are bonded. They are united. You cannot separate the world from the Tyra because the entire world was for Tyra. And so as we go through this work week, as it were, a seven-week work week instead of a seven-day work week, but with the same number, we're saying to ourselves that this period of time is a time that we're accentuating the fact that the entire world, Bria Asylum, every single day of creation, is Laman HaTayra. Now I want to elaborate on this beautiful idea of the Bad Kaidish, if I may. There's a Gemara in Sanhedrin on Daftar Tzadi Zayin Aleph that says that the first period of the world, the world is 6,000 years. It's supposed to be 6,000 years. There's another Ramban, by the way, that says that every thousand years of the world, every, every one of the 6,000 years of the world is also Kimei'ilam. It's also Kineged, uh, what happened in human history is very much parallel to what happened during the Sheshis and Mebrashis. That's a whole nother discussion. It's related, but it's not for today. But there are 6,000 years of the world. And the first 2,000, the Gemara describes as Tayu Vavayu. 
It's completely nothingness. It's nothingness. Avram Avinu, when he came onto the world at around the 2,000-year mark, that's when the world began a new period, a new epoch called Tyra. So there is Tyra Bavayu, and then there is Tyra. What does that mean that the world was Tyra Bavayu? This is a descri- this is a lushan that we find in the first day of creation, that the world before Akadosh Baruch started the Bria was Tyra Bavayu, was completely nothing, nothingness. And what I think the Pshat and the Gemara is, is that because the world was created for Tyra, until the Tyra was manifest in the world, Avram Avinu was the first person to be Makir Esfairai, he was Makayim, all the Mitzvah Satyra, even before it was given, he kept Pesach, he ate Matzah on Pesach, he wore Tfilin, he kept Eruve Chatseirus, Eruve Tchumen, whatever we have, Avram Avinu was able to keep that as well, even though the Tyra had not formally been given yet. <coughs> Until that moment in history, and especially as we go further and actually get the Tyra at Sinai, the world was, in a sense, Tyra Babayu. Because the purpose of the world being for Tyra, if the Tyra wasn't manifest in the world in a certain sense, obviously there were always Yechidim, there was Shem Be'ever, there were Yechidim that always kept Tyra from Adam Rishon until Avram Avinu, but being that the world didn't really have a formal manifestation of Tyra, it was Tayu. It was nothingness, because that's not why the world was, was built. It wasn't built to have oceans and to have, and to have birds and to have fish without Tyra. Everything only gained its prominence and its meaning when the Tyra came into the world and now the world suddenly was able to breathe the breath of Tyra. Until that point, there was, not, there was no purpose. It was Tyra Babayu. It was nothingness. Because if I build something and it's not being used for the appropriate purpose, so then in a sense, it's nothing. What, what's the point? If it wasn't built for why I built it, it's not, uh, that's not the purpose. I once had an uncle who... Um, he loved listening to the radio. He had a shortwave radio in his house and come into his apartment. He was a, he was a Tamachacham as well, but he loved listening to the radio. And, you know, he would find stations all over the world and he, he was a master linguist also, so he understood languages. Anyway, he went and he bought a car once. And the car turned out to be a lemon. It was a very schwache car. And they asked him, like, why did you, you know, why did you, uh, you know, how could you fall for such a thing? Did you give it a test drive? He says, no. He says, I went to the owner of the car. I sat in the car. I turned on the radio. The radio worked perfectly, so I bought the car. You didn't drive it around. You didn't check the muffler and the engine. And the, No. Everything seemed okay. The radio was fine. Okay. It's a, obviously, there's something wrong with that. Because that's not the purpose of a car. A car, it happens to Agav have a radio on it, but that's not why you're buying a car. So if you say, well, a car is really a radio, a car's not a radio. A radio is a radio, that's nice. But the car, the purpose of the car is to drive a car. The purpose of the world, it was in a sense, you know, here the world was existing. There were human beings on the world. There was the sun, the moon, the stars. H2O formed water. Everything was working but you weren't driving this car yet. The car was not being driven. And the purpose of the world was for it to be driven for Tyro. 
if the radio worked in the world, that doesn't mean that the world really was, was, you know, was rocking yet. Because it was nothing. It was nothingness. It was, it was a shtus. Everything that was happening without Taira was not meaningful. Because the world was created for Taira. And until Taira made its appearance on the horizon of the world, it was, it was garnished. It was Taira Vavaya. The whole world was nothing. Nothing. Comes Avram Avinu, he starts the era of Taira in the world. And slowly Avram Avinu, and then he gave it over to Yitzchak and to Yaakov, like the Raman puts it, and Shevet Levi at Yeshiva. It was starting, now the world was starting to have, to, to take on a life of Taira. But the life of Taira was really only formally began in earnest during this period of history. After we left the Shrayim, after we got through the Egyptian experience with all that we took from it, had to be a good Eved, had to cry to the Rabbeinu Shalom, had to serve somebody else, and we got all those valuable lessons in the Kura Barzel, that smelting pot which was Mitzrayim. Now we are ready to leave Mitzrayim, Biyad Chazakov, with Emuna Shlema, and start making this seven-week trek to Matan and as we were making this trek, the world itself, everything in the Bria that until now was sort of dormant, it was just sitting there and doing nothing, as it were, now the world started to come alive, to become animated with Tyra. That everybody was able to see that everything in the world that they just assumed was Teva, was nature, it was so much more than that. Everything was really Laman Hatira and Laman Yisrael. I'll give you just two examples, three examples of this. I didn't really, you know, spend a lot of time working out how each of these weeks of the Bria correspond to the Sheshis and Mabarishis, but I'll give you just a few examples that came into my head in literally three minutes. And maybe if you want to do some homework, you'll figure out how other events that took place during the Mehasphira, during the seven-week period. Also, maybe you can find some correspondence to the Brias Ha'elam, to the, what's called Teva in the world, what happened on each day, and how it corresponds to things that took place in history during this seven-week period that shows clearly that the world was created for Klal Yisrael. I'll give you just a few Mishalim. Right before we left Egypt, Makas Chayshech, Makas Becheres, we left Egypt that night, but Makas Becheres, Makas Chayshech rather, was really the last of the Makas in Egypt proper before we were able to get out. In Makas Chayshech, a very beautiful Pasuk, it always struck me as being a very significant Pasuk. It says that there was Chayshech all over Mitzrayim, Ulachal b'nei Yisrael hayar b'meishvaisam. Klal Yisrael, where they were living, there was ar. The entire world, the entire Egyptian empire was darkness. It was palpable darkness. If you were sitting, you couldn't stand because the air was so thick with darkness, whatever that means. If you were standing, you couldn't sit. But Klal Yisrael and Gaishan in their world was ar. That was a very clear manifestation that the world was created for Klal Yisrael and for Tyra. The first day of creation, what was created? 
There should be light. All of a sudden, after a few thousand years of there being light every single day, the sun came up and there was light. But everybody assumed that the light was just for everybody else. Every, you know, you, you use light every day. I'm able to see things. I'm able to heat things. I'm able, the sun is, a, is, a, is great and, and light. Everything is wonderful, but it's for, it's for everybody. No, it's not. Right now, on the cusp of leaving Egypt, we see, This was the purpose of the light. The light that HaKadosh Baruch created during the Sheshis Meberashis, all of a sudden the whole world saw that that light was not designed for them. Yes, they can use it. But it was designed for Klal Yisrael in order that they should keep the Torah. So at the very first episode, the very first natural phenomenon as we're about to leave Egypt, we have light. The whole world is dark. We have light. It's clear that the light of the Sheshis and Meberashis was all for Tyra and all for Klal Yisrael. That's the first period of the seven-week period of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. To get to Mount Tyra, we had to show the world, the Rabbani Shalom showed the world, Kimei Eilam, that just like the first day of the Bria Sa'ilam, there was light, that was not for the world, that was for Klal Yisrael, that was Bereshis, that was Bishvil Atayra, Shnikar Reishis, Bishvil Yisrael, Shnikar Reishis. Ulechal B'nei Yisrael Hayar We go forward a week into Yitzhak Mitzrayim, now we're in the Midbar, power is chasing after us. What happens? The greatest miracle, perhaps, of all times, Klal Yisrael is stuck between a, a rock and a hard place. They turn around, they see the Egyptian army chasing after them, and they're at a dead end because there's the Yam. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Meshur Ben Niteas Yad Chalayam, Uvika'ehu. Split the yam. Split the yam. What do you mean split the yam? How do you split a yam? How do you split a yam? A yam is something that's going from Shesh to Mebrej that's been going and flowing in a certain way, in a certain natural way. You don't go and split a yam. HaKadosh Baruch says, split the yam. Show the world that when I created Mayim, it wasn't so that people could go fishing, and it wasn't so that people could go surfing, and it wasn't for boats to travel the sea. It was for the purpose of Klal Yisrael that they should be able to get the Torah. The Yam is standing in your way. Split the Yam. And Moshe Rabbeinu did exactly that. And then when he took Klal Yisrael through the Yam, Vayashav Hayam Le'esanai. The Yam fell down again and went back to the original way, of course, drowning that vaunted Egyptian army. Le'esanai, the Mepharshim say, is the same words as Litznai. There was a Tznai that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made with the Yamsuf at the beginning of, with the Yam at the beginning of creation, the second day of creation, that you are supposed to split when I tell you to, and it did that, it committed what it was supposed to, it split against the Teva, Vayashav Hayam Le'esanai Litznai. It did its tonight. It fulfilled its mission. It fulfilled the condition, the deal that Akadish Baruch Hu struck with it during Sheshim Abrashis was Mekuyam Vayashav Hayam Le'esanai. That's the second day of Kimei Eilam. The second day of the Briyas Shamayim Ba'aretz was the creation of Mayim, Yikabu Amayim, 
That was the second day of creation. And guess what? On the way as we were going to Har Sinai, we showed the world that the Yam was not merely a, a part of Teva that we use for whatever everybody's using it for. It was all for Tyro. Every single drop of Mayan is for Tyro. And you know something Chazal tell us? That Bishas Kriyas Yamsuf, every liquid in the world split. It wasn't just Yamsuf. If there was a guy living in, in Africa drinking, uh, you know, Poland Spring, the Poland Spring split in two. Everywhere that you were, everything was splitting. Why did the world have to know about this? This was a message to the universe that whatever I created, every single thing in Shashis and Mabrashis that everybody assumes is Teva, it's Mother Nature, it's natural, it's a gift to the world, it's not a gift to the world. It's a gift to Klal Yisrael so that they may keep the Tyra. And you could go on and on. I, I looked through the parishes, but I don't want to spend the whole schmooze just trying to understand every single day of Sheshis Mebreshis and how that corresponds with the Shivas Shavuos as they're going to Arsinai, but you can. And, and I'll tell you if, if we have similar outcomes. But it's a fascinating you know, sort of research to do and to try to think about what this Ramban means, that the Shiva Shavuos is Kimerim. It's not random, just a number. I believe, as the Bad Kaidish says, that it's a reminder to the world. It shows the world as we're going to Arsinan, and it shows us for that matter. It reminds us, which is the most important thing, that the world was created for Tyre. Ultimately, if you can cut to the chase, Matan Tyre is what? Matan Tyre is Shabbos. The Gemara tells us in Mesecha Shabbos, that no matter what your cheshpainus of what happened on each day of Sivan and, and everybody, the one given that the Gemara says in a very complex Gemara about whether it was Vav Sivan or Zion Sivan when the Torah was given, and Meshur was Haisef Yamechmi, it's a very difficult Gemara. But the Gemara gives you a given. The given is that Kuli Al-Mamayda, everybody agrees that the Shabbos Nitna Torah. Torah was given on Shabbos which means that Shavuos, which is the pinnacle of this journey to Har Sinai, that's the culmination, that's the climax of Kimei Oilam, of the Sheshe Simei HaMaisa, and then Shabbos. It's interesting that the preparations that we made for Har Sinai, the Chibsu Simloisam, HaKadosh Baruch Hu commands Meish Rabbeinu, everybody has to wash their garments, and everybody has to wait the Lashon of the Pasuk is that you should prepare. You should prepare and you should wash your garments. So the Briskarov in his Sefer Alatayra says that this preparation for Matan Torah was really like we prepare for Shabbos. The Rambam says in Hilcha Shabbos, Parak Lamed, Halacha Beis, the Yeshe Bekaivid Reish, Mechalak Balas Pnei Shabbos, Kemeshu, Yaitzelikras Hamelach. You're supposed to wait and prepare. Part of Hachana for Shabbos is to prepare for Shabbos. Wait anxiously like a person awaits the arrival of a king. And that's what we did by Mantaira. By Mantaira, the Briskarov says, we washed our, we, we cleaned our clothing like you would if you were going to a king, you would make sure that everything is, is perfect. 
And then you would wait for the king to arrive. And that's what we did. We were preparing ourselves for the arrival of the king. And that's very similar to the arrival of Shabbos. Because they're really one and the same. The Shabbos of Maishah Barash is the Shabbos that we keep every seven days. And the, the week of Shavuos, the preparation until we mamish came to our Sinai to get the Torah, that week, that's a Shabbistic week. That's a week that we, on a personal level, we prepare for Shabbos, we wash our clothing, and we actually prepare. In fact, the Briskarov, they say, used to, he had a mirpeset in his apartment in Yerushalayim, in his house, and on, in order to be Mekayim, this Rambam, you know what he used to do on Erev Shabbos? As the sun was, was coming down on Friday night, he would just stand on his merpeset, watch the sun set, and prepare himself to greet the king, to greet Shabbos. That's what it means. And that's what Kal Yisrael did at Mount because it's the same thing. The personal Shabbos that we have, this Kedusha, every seven days, that is really, that was manifest on a, on a global level by Mount That was the Shabbos of the world. Because that was when the world's purpose actually came into fruition with the Kabbalah's Hatayr. So we gave three examples out of seven of how the weekly experience of Mysabracious happened on a national level and on a global level during these seven weeks as we were going to Mount to prove to the world that the world is not what you think it is. The world is a tyrannical world, the world is a holy world, and the world is a world that was built for Klal Yisrael. It's an amazing concept because it's so, I think, foreign to our, our natural understanding of things. Our natural understanding of things, correct me if I'm wrong, is that there's a world, it's a big, beautiful world, there's so many places to visit, so much going on in the world, and we have the experience of being like a little... A little nation in the big world. Everybody wants to, you know, destroy us, but we still are, are are here to this very day. And we're sort of allowing ourselves to, you know, find a place in this big world out there. But we're like, you know, they're giving us rishos to live in their world. And we have to be very nice, we have to be respectful, which we of course do. But this is like a new chiddush. And the world saw this during this period of time, during the Masfira, that it's the opposite. It's our world. It's Klal Yisrael's world. It's a Torah world. And if there's room that has to be made in this world, it's for everyone else to share in what we're experiencing, but it was built for us. Everything that's here in this world is for us. It's not for the Umm Asylum, and it's not for the billionaires and it's not for the athletes, and it's not for the movie stars, it's not. It's a world that was built for us, for Klal Yisrael, so that we can learn Tyra, and everyone else is sort of sharing in the bounty of this world. But it was a world that's a Tyratical world, and this was something that was Tayu. For thousands of years, they didn't understand that. Only after Klal Yisrael started keeping the Tyra, Abraham Avinu started this Kufa of Tyra, but it really came now, as the seven-week period began, they saw that the world was beginning to take form in a Tyra way. R became an R for Klal Yisrael. Mayim became a Mayim for Klal Yisrael. Shabbos became a Shabbos for Klal Yisrael. 
And that was the amazing period that we're experiencing right now. The seven-week period shows us the primacy of Tyra in our life, but in the world. And how without the world, this world would not even exist. The famous Chazal, what's Hashishi? Chazal, Rashi brings the Chazal, that Hashishi is a remez to Vav Sivan. Because there was a Tznai, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a deal with the world. I'll, I'll create you. And you'll go for a couple of thousand years on your own volition, on your own battery. But it all depends on if Kla Yisrael on Shishi, the Shishi, the Shishi B'Sivan, if they accept the Torah, Muta, fine. But if not, I'm going to return the world to Torah Babayu because the world has no purpose without Torah. If Kla Yisrael had taken a pass by Matan Torah, Rachman Al-Itzlan, the world would have exploded. There's no point to a world that's Torah. No world, no point to a car that doesn't drive. If they would have said, we don't want the car, then, then the car would have no reason to exist anymore. The world only exists because HaKal Yisrael on Shavuot said, Nasa Venishma, we're going to accept the tire. The Pasuk at the beginning of Sefer Kaihelas, Havel Havolim Amar Kaihelas, Havel, Havalim, Hakel, Havel. And Rashi says, what's all these words, Havalim? I mean, Shlomo HaMelech was a great poet, and he uses the same, he couldn't figure out, like, you know, if you write a, a, a term paper, would you ever, I mean, the teacher would, would mark you, you know, ten times, ten X's over here for this first Pasuk and Kalis. Why didn't Shlomo HaMelech, like, take one of those thesauruses or, you know, use the, you know, on, on our... You know, Microsoft Word, you get to pick out a different word. They give you a whole list of things. You just have that. What kind of, of pasuk is this? Havel, Havalim, everything is vanity. Hakel, Havel, Amarkeelis, Havel, Havalim, Hakel, Havel. It's like you keep using the same word over and over again. It's not a, linguistically, it's like very not appetizing. Havel. So Rashi, of course, explains that what Shleim HaMelech was saying over here is that he was Kairatagar. He was ripping into the entire Bria Sayyidim. He says the whole world is Havel. Havel, seven words Havalim. Havel, Havalim is two, that's three. Hakel Havel, Havel, Havalim, seven. Seven. Seven words Havel, Kineged, the seven days of creation. What does that mean? That's blasphemy. To say that the whole world is heaven, it's all nothing, it's garbage. That's what Shlomo Melech is writing. And really, that's, that's sort of the gist of the whole Kaelis, except for the last couple of psukim, where he salvages the whole Sefer. And Chazal say they were going to, Bikshu Chachamim Lignai Sefer Kaelis, they were going to put this whole Sefer in Shemus, were it not for a couple of psukim that, that saved the day. Because it's a very depressing Sefer. I wrote a Pirish on three out of the five Megillahs. I wrote on Esther, Rus, and Cheshirim. And people always say, well, why don't you finish them up? Write Kaelas. I said, I tried so many times to write on Kaelas, but I got so depressed it wasn't fair to my family. If you read Kaelas and you really are ma'ayin in it, you get so depressed because he's ripping the whole world. He's saying everything is garbage. Everything that you think is chashuv is garbage. Yeah, he says, Bonisi, Kramim, Krama, you know, people think, oh, I want to work, why do you want to work? I want to buy a nice house, it's garbage. I want to have a nice car, forget it. 
I want to have some nice real estate. I want to have crumb crummis. I want to have nice, uh, nice flower bed in my bed. It's garbage. Okay, I want to get married. Garbage. I want to, you know, I want to, you know, be very, very successful. Garbage. I want to be happy. Garbage. Every pasuk in Kehelish just tells us the whole world is garbage. Look through it yourself. Read it. So how do you understand Sefer Kehelis? You have to look at the next pasuk. The next pasuk says right after that, it says, "My Yisrael la Adam." What point? What's the point of everything that you're doing, working underneath the sun? Whatever you do every day is just complete, trivial nonsense. All the people that you see riding the subways and, and doing things and building and, and skyscrapers and, and, and scaffolding and, and, and toolboxes, and it's all nothing. My Yisra and Laudam, what do you have from it? What's the point of it all? And Rashi says, Tachas Hashamesh, Tachas HaTaira. She Kruya Ar. Taira is like light. The, the Prophet says, V'tayra Ar, Kinner Mitzvah Taira Ar. Kal Amal, Shehu Machlef Bai, Es Eisek HaTaira, Maschar Bai. Anything that you're doing, you're wasting time. You're taking away time from learning. What's the point? It's all for Taira. That's what Kaelis is all about. Kaelis is basically saying that this world is a big mirage, it's a big facade, there is nothing in this world but Taira. If you're doing anything, it's Tachas Taira, you're being Machlef Taira, what you're doing, when you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, if you're reading a newspaper, you're not just reading a newspaper, you're not learning Taira when you're reading the newspaper. If you ever took economics, one of the things that I remember when I took economics is that there is a... uh, Guns versus butter. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Guns versus butter, is that right? Basically, the economists say that when a person spends money on one thing, it's not that he's spending money on one thing. He's deliberately making a decision that I'm spending money on one thing and not on the other. It's a very unique way of thinking. We don't look at things like that because we have a credit card, so I could spend money on whatever I want. But let's say you wouldn't have a credit. Let's say you'd have a $5 bill in your wallet, and that's all you have. And you go into a supermarket... Now you have to make a decision. Do I want to buy a newspaper or do I want to buy apples? What are you going to use it for? That's the way it is. It's a zero-sum. You have to make a decision. What you're, every, the economists say that when you're making a decision to buy one thing, you're making at the same time a decision not to buy something else. You can't have it all. And Shlema Melech is writing, it's all havalim. If you're looking to this world, it's garbage. Nonsense. If you understand that the whole world was built for Tyra, so whatever you're doing that's not Tyradic is Havel. It's Havel Havon. The whole Shivas Meberashis on its own. That period of Tayu Vavayu, for instance, up until Avram Avinu, up until Kabbalah Satyra, the whole world was running for no purpose. The engine was on in the car, but nobody was driving it and had no purpose. It was a radio. It was not being used for its proper purpose. And HaKadosh Baruch says, I'm okay with that. As long as you're going to be Makabal Tyra. And once you're Makabal Tyra, the world will see that the point of the world is for Tyra. And if a Yid doesn't see that, if we don't get that, if we think that the world is still for the world, and we're going to learn Tyra a little bit, but, that's, but the purpose of the world is the world, then my Yisra and then Kehelas, you have to listen very well on Sukkot when they link Kehelas, because that's our Megillah. 
it, it's, it's a wake-up call that stop with the shtuyot, stop believing that this world is really something. It's nothing. It's payu babayu. It's hevel avalim. Because the whole thing was b'shvil ha-tayra shnikra reisha. It's all for tyra. So Shlomo Melch is saying, what are you doing? You're living a life believing in teva. You're living a life believing that this world has, has meaning. Get over it. It's all for the tyra. And when you're not learning tyra, you're making an, a decision that I'm going to do one thing and not the other. And that is my yisra. And what's the point? What are you doing? You're making foolish choices in your life. Because the world is for Tyra. Everything has to be used for Tyra. There's a, a fantastic briskarov. I'm sure all of you know it, so you'll forgive me for repeating it, but it's, it's, it, this is Hashkafa 101. It's the very first briskarov in his Purish Allah Tyra, in the stencil. That's the real the real safer that he had, Alatira, there are other Sarim also that are, but in the in the main safer that he has Alatira that he wrote himself, the black one, not the red, we have red ones, the black was small, thin safer, but it's it's full of Yisai, this that's the real brisket Tyra. And the very first piece he brings a Gemara Navajar, and I, again I know that you all know this, but it, just allow me to repeat it. There's a Gemara that says in Abaidazara that in the future and that base on the days. In the future, all the Gayim are going to come to the Rabbi Nisham. They're going to want to get schar. They're not going to be happy watching Kla Yisrael get all the reward. They want to get reward also. So, of course, the first Malchus is Malchus Raimi. They're the, you know, the, the, the big men on campus, Rome. And they go up to the Rabbi Nisham, the Malchus of Rome. Amr Lahem Akadishparcho. Akadishparcho says, Maya Saktim, what were you busy with in world? In your world dominance, what did you accomplish? So I'm in They said, what do you mean? Rabbi Nishalem. Harbe shvakim takninu. Harbe merchatsai sasinu. We built so many highways. We built so many marketplaces. We built so many bathhouses. So many spas. So many resorts. Harbe kesvezav hirbino. We amassed great fortunes of money. We did this all for Klal Yisrael. So that Klal Yisrael should be, they're such, they're such sweet people, the Romans. They did it all for the Tyra. It's amazing. The great Roman Empire who destroyed the Mikdash and did a, they start getting, they want to get their schar and they say, Rabbi Yisrael, look at all we did. We did for Klal Yisrael. We built highways, we built marketplaces, we built commerce, we built infrastructure. We built resorts, we built, it's all for, for Klai Yisrael, they should build Tyra. What would you say if you were the Rabbi Shalom? I would say, you guys, I have never met such mechutzafim, such liars in my life. You built them for, you destroyed Klai Yisrael. You killed millions of Jews, you destroyed their Makkim Mikdash, and you're trying to, to take credit? Like Chazal say elsewhere, Isa Maisa Zimri, Mavakish Shkara You did a Maisa of Zimri, an abominable act. And you want to get schar like Pinchas. Like, how do you, you can't have it both ways. Can't be Rishayim Gemurim. Malchus Rome killed the Asaruge Malchus. And then at the same time, you also at the same time want to get schar? If I was a Rabbi Yisrael, I would say, Shakronim Sheba Eilam, you liars. You, Mechutzafim Sheba Eilam. Mechutzbi, talking to God directly. This is what, this is, trying to, to, to in, in Hebrew they say, you know, Limkarli Lakshin, you're trying to sell me Lakshin, you're trying to sell me noodles. What are, you, what are you doing? You're lying. 
But listen to what the Lashon of the Gemara is. Amr Lam HaKadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch answers, Shaitim Sheba Eilam. He didn't say Shakranim. Shaitim Sheba Eilam, you fools. Kol Masha Asisim L'Tzarech Atzmechem Asisim. Whatever you did, you did it for yourself selfishly. You why'd you build your, your marketplaces so you could have a morality? You built your, your, your resorts in order for yourself to have pleasure. Money, silver, gold, that's not yours, that's mine. Fine. They left. Malchus Rome walks out, despondent, and then the next crew, Yavan, starts coming and giving their own, their, this, uh, also their own uh, version of why they did things. And again, Rabbi Yisham repeatedly says, Shaitim Shabayim, you fools. The Briskov says, Why are you saying Shaitim Shabayim? They're liars. It's not Shdos, it's, it's, it's a Shekhar. Kishbrochu catches them. He says, You know, you did it for yourself. That's a lie. That's not a Shdos. Zak the Briskorov. And this is such a side. You have to listen well. The Briskarov says it's, it's not a sheker. What they said was not a lie. It was just they're, they're fools. But they weren't liars. Because they understood that everything that they did was in fact for Tyra. When they said that whatever we built was for Klal Yisrael, so that they should learn Tyra. They were a thousand percent accurate. Never were truer words spoken. It's true. The highways that they built were built in order for B'nai Tyra to be able to use those highways to drive their cars to learn Tyra. And the Merchatzais were built in order for us to be able to somehow also learn Tyra. And the money that was built, all the economies, the great economies of the world, were there in order to enable somehow, some way, a ben to sit by his Gemara and learn Tyra. That's why it was all done. Bishvil Yisrael, Bishvil Tyra, Nivar It was all for Tyra. They weren't liars. They were saying the truth, and they saw with their own eyes. Oh, now I understand why I built that highway, that bridge, why I built that marketplace, that economy, why, why I built that supermarket, that store, that camp, that building, that sky. Now I see everything. I see why I did it. It was all for Tyra. HaKadosh Baruch didn't say you're liars. You're right. But you're shaitan because if you would have had a little kavana when you built it that was for Tyra, you'd have tremendous char. But because you were so busy selfishly trying to hoard things for yourself. You did it for yourself. Now you don't get any schar. Get out of here. Had you had kavana for, for Klal Yisrael when you built that road, you would be in a very good position today, but you're shaitim, you're fools. You did it all for yourself. You had no kavana to do a l'shem tire. So for that, I'm not giving you any schar. You're a shaita, but you're not a shakim. And there's a lot of stories that I've heard over the years that really speak to this. But again, you have to, if you have a Balabatisha 
cap on. You have to take off your cap now and put on a yeshivish cap because if you're looking at what I'm saying as a balabas, nothing wrong with balabatim. Balabatim are great. I don't mean, you know, I don't mean a, you know, a, a chash of a balabas. I'm talking about, when I say a balabas, I mean somebody that's completely, you know, cynical when it comes to important issues such as what we're talking about today. If you're thinking like a balabas like that, you're going to be rolling your eyes throughout the next 10 minutes. Because you're not going to believe a word of what I'm saying, and it sounds so far-fetched, and it's a new concept. So just listen to me, hear me out, and understand that what I'm saying is not my own Torah, but it's from great Kedalei Yisrael. And it's very hard to understand. I've been saying this for, you know, for 25, 30 years, and it still honestly doesn't always resonate because we're so enamored with this world and we see it as on such a on such a superficial level there is a a very big railroad system that was built in Russia it was called the Trans-Siberian Railroad and the Trans-Siberian Railroad was something that cost the Russian government hundreds of millions of rubles dollars whatever and Nobody could understand why in the world the czars, whoever was that built it, were so intent on building this railroad system to nowhere. It was a railroad train. It started in St. Petersburg, which is a major irveim of, of Russia, and a lot of you didn't actually live there. And it stretched across the entire Siberian no man's land throughout Russia. If you ever see a map of Russia, it's very impressive. But it's not really as impressive as it seems because Russia is a huge, huge country. It's like on a map, it's maybe, I don't know, four or five times the size of the United States. But most of it is unusable because in the middle of that whole big swath of, of real estate, nobody could live there. I mean, they threw some Jews there, you know, when they, when they learned terror or something. They sent them out into the Siberian hinterland and, you know, and never to be heard from again. But it's, it's ice cold, you can't live there, you can't survive there, it's not a, a place to live. So it's basically just no man's land in the middle of Russia. But for some reason, the Russian government decided to build a railroad system that will go from St. Petersburg and go all the way to the end of Russia, through all of this no man's land, like hundreds and hundreds of miles of track that have to be laid down. People died Dozens, maybe hundreds of people died to build this unusable railroad system. Like it was, no one knew, who, who are you taking from St. Petersburg to Siberia? Nobody wants to go there. And it went all the way to the forest of, it went all the way from, from the beginning of Russia, from the usable part of Russia, through the Siberian uh, wasteland, to a forest called Vlad- Vladivstok. Vladivstok. Now, this Vladivstok was a city that was right near the coast of Japan. I mean, Japan is an island, so if you can get to Vladivstok from, from Moscow, from, from St. Petersburg, from the usual part of Russia, the main part of Russia, and you can get across, then you, get to, you can get to that coastline, and then a little boat ride will take you to Japan. And nobody understood for, I don't know how long it was there, 50, 60, 70 years, nobody Nobody understood why they built this. For what? It's like you ever drive on the Van Wyck Expressway, and I used to commute, like when we were, you know, living in Long Beach over the past year, not, you know, up until a couple of months ago. And on the Van Wyck Expressway, they have in the middle of 
the expressway, there's like a train track, if you ever noticed, that goes up and it's an air tram, which in theory is a great idea, but it doesn't make any sense because it doesn't, it was supposed to take people from, um, I think from Kennedy Airport to LaGuardia, which would be great, but instead of going straight to LaGuardia, it drops people off in like Howard Beach or something, and you got to like get off with all your pekalach, with all your suitcases, and take another train to, it's, it's completely useless. Like I think there's like empty trolleys, but they used, they built this thing for so many years, there was construction on the Van Wick. It took up a very valuable piece of real estate in the middle of that Van Wick, which was always trafficy. And you know, now you you wasted a whole lane because of all these pillars in the middle. And it's absolutely purposeless. These trains are running back and forth with nobody on it. That was sort of what they built this Trans-Siberian Railroad for no reason whatsoever, at the cost of hundreds of millions. Who put this stuff into these Russians' heads? Nobody knew. It was like a complete. It was. A, it was. It was just a complete act of lunacy. Until the Mir Yeshiva needed to get out of Europe because Europe was on fire during World War II, and the entire Yeshiva had to get out. And they got passports stamped Benisim Gluyim to Japan, to China, they were able to find some some guy Sugihara, who was Meister Nefesh, he was like uh, the Japanese uh, I don't know, diplomat in the consulate and you know, near the mirror and he spent like a whole night just stamping every Shiva and every Rebbe, every Rashiva's passport Visas, just go, get out of here, get out. And then he, he was put in big trouble. They, they killed, they, they, they tormented him afterwards. And then later on in life, he became a big hero. But at the time, he did something that was the worst thing in the world because Japan was an ally of Germany during the Second World War. And anyway, they had to get to Japan. It's great to have a, to have a stamp passport, but if you can't get out, it's worthless. So they had a visa to get to Japan. But the problem is, how do you get to Japan? from the mirror in Poland. Well, all of a sudden they chapped why that whole railroad system had to be built. It was all Bishvil Atayra. It was all that Klal Yisrael was able to salvage and to save from the Sri Deish, the remnants of the fire that the entire yeshiva of the mirror, Kimat, was able to be Nitzo, an Ud Mutzal Me'esh, a little piece of wood that was able to be saved from the fire. And they got on this Trans-Siberian Railroad and they went through the Siberian wasteland and then they were able to get to that shoreline to Japan. They took a boat over to Japan. Eventually they went to Shanghai, which is in China. It was all B'Shvil Yisrael. It was all B'Shvil Yisrael. In retrospect, it was clearly visible. Just like in the Shiva, Shiva Shavuos, Kimei Ailam, Everything became clear that it was for Klal Yisrael. The R was for Klal Yisrael. The Mayim was for Klal Yisrael. The Shabbos was for Klal Yisrael. All of a sudden it became clear. Oh, and now I understand why this Trans-Siberian system was built. It was for Tyra. It was only for that purpose that hundreds of millions of dollars and thousands of lives were spent there, you know, dozens of years building in Siberia just for that one day that they had to get out of that country, it was all B'Shevil Tyro. If Russians would have had that kavano and they were building it, then maybe someday Yeshiva Bachem will have to get out of Russia and get into Japan. They would have tremendous chai for that. 
all the Torah that's being studied in the world from those mirrors would all be partially theirs, if not all theirs. But they're Shaitim Shabbat They didn't get that. They built it for themselves to get money, to get this. But it was all B'Shvil HaTayra. And this is, I'll bring it a little closer to home. I was once speaking in Reshit, in, in that beautiful yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, and if you learned there, or you ever visited there, you know that there's beautiful stained glass windows. And one of the stained glass windows in the base Medrash has a, uh, an image of the Verrazano Bridge. Because Rabbi Marcus, who's a Rashiva, he was the Rav in Staten Island, of course, you know, connecting Brooklyn to Staten Island is this Verrazano Bridge. It's one of the, it's the most beautiful bridge that I've ever seen in my life. If you, know, you're, if you go there too often, you lose the Hashivas for it. It used to be the largest bridge in, in the country, in the world. I don't know if it still is. It's a magnificent bridge. It took, you know, probably a billion dollars in nowadays money to build it. And who knows how many, you know, lives were lost building that bridge and, and how much manpower it took to build the bridge. Why did they build this bridge, this Verrazano Bridge? Well, you're going to say to connect Brooklyn to Staten Island. You know that before they built that, that bridge, in order for people to get to Lakewood, which is the the Tyra in America, from Brooklyn, many people, many of you didn't live in Brooklyn, to get from Brooklyn to Lakewood, it took like a day's travel. It was very hard. You had to go all around and, you know, it was very circuitous to be able to get there. The Staten Island, this Verrazano Bridge connecting it, Mama shaved off hours of the trip. And Gedele Yisrael said, and I didn't say, this is not my Chiddush, Gedele Yisrael said that the entire Verrazano Bridge was built only for the Tyra. It was in order so that Bachan will be able to get from Brooklyn to Lakewood quicker, so that they can get back to their Gemaras quicker. And that sounds, shh, what are you talking about? There are millions of commuters that commute every year from Brooklyn to Staten Island. People live on Staten Island, people live in Brooklyn. It's, there's many Gaim, probably 99% of the people that are traveling that bridge are Gaim. So what are you talking about, Rabbi? You're crazy. That's why I told you, you have to take off your hat. Because Gedele Yisrael said that the purpose of this bridge, it was all b'shvil atayro. A fascinating thing, and again, this is, you have to just go with me here. If you ever see in, in Lakewood, if you ever drove to Lakewood, there's a Route 9. Route 9 is like a Chasheva highway. It's a Chasheva highway. It takes you to Lakewood. It was, it was originally designed to take people to Atlantic City, but they ran out of money in the middle of this highway. And the funniest thing happens, as soon as this, this superhighway reaches Lakewood, it becomes like a, a little like two-way street. So 150th Street is, is, is considered to be like a thoroughfare compared to what the Route 9 becomes when it comes to Lakewood. It's the, it's the craziest thing in the world. I mean, you know what, this is, go to Lakewood, next time you go to Lakewood, see, see, see if what I'm saying is true. You have a hush of a highway, it's not much like a three, four, route nine, famous route nine. It's supposed to keep going to a land, it stopped. They ran out of money, punked when? Not in, uh, you know, I don't even know the cities of all those little cities dotting the, 
the Route 9, but it didn't, it stopped in Lakewood. And again, why did it stop in Lakewood? Because the whole point of this was not to get people to gamble in Atlantic City. It was in order to make people able, Bnei Taira, Avreichem, Rashi Yeshivas, able to get to Lakewood to learn Taira faster, more efficiently. But once it gets to Lakewood, there's no purpose for the Route 9 anymore. It's all B'Shvah Taira. And if the people that planned this highway and the people that worked on this highway, if they would have had a, a mashu of kavana that is for Taira, which obviously they didn't come to the Shmutz, they couldn't. But had they, they would have gotten tremendous char. They're shaitim shaba'ilam for not having that kavana. If you understand that the world was created for Taira, then build for Taira. Reb Abramsky used to say something incredible. Reb Aaron Kotler was Rashiva in Lakewood. He gave Shirim in Lakewood. He was also Rashiva in his father-in-law, Reb Sizal Meltzer, Yeshiva in Yerushalayim called Eitz Chaim. And he was sort of a Rosh Yeshiva in both Yeshivas. Only one problem. How do you get from Lakewood to Yerushalayim and give Shirim in both places? He didn't give a weekly Shirim in both places, but you know he gave, you know, very often he gave Shirim in... in, in, in in Eitz Chaim, and you would also primarily be here in, in, uh, in, in the tri-state area. He has his apartment in Borough Park, and he went to Lakewood um, a few times a week. Rebchatzko Abramsky, okay? Rebchatzko Abramsky. We don't have bigger ga'inim than Rebchatzko Abramsky. He says that the entire, again, hold, just sit in your seats, don't jump up. He says that the entire purpose of an airplane the entire invention of the airplane was so that Rav Aaron Cutler should be able to fly from New York and land in Eretz Yisrael to give his shear, his world-famous shear. That's the entire purpose of the invention of an airplane. Aye, but everybody uses airplanes. He says everybody can get Hana from the airplane, but it wasn't built for them. It was built so that Rav Aaron Cutler should be able to get from America Tarot Yisrael to give his shir, to give his tarot. It's all Bishvil Yisrael, she's Asku Batayra. That's the purpose of the airplane. The thing that we see in the sky every single day. The thing that we read about, about, you know, about an airplane falling apart and, and, you know, people fighting on an airplane, people getting kicked off an airplane, all these news stories that are so fascinating. Just think about every single time you see an airplane, think that it's Laman HaTayra. It's all for Tyra. I remember the president, he used to have an airline years ago. It was like a shuttle. It would shuttle people from, from New York to Boston and back and forth. I think it was called the Trump shuttle. And it always had a T, like this golden T on the wing of the airplane. And I was thinking just now, you know, that the T might as well be for Tyra. It's for Tyra. You think I'm crazy. It's for Trump. He thinks it's for Trump. But it's for the Tyro. Everything that happens in this world, every invention, every medication that comes out, every biotechnological chiddush, all of the all of the roads that are being built, all the skyscrapers that you see, somehow, some way, are all for Tyro. It's all for Tyro. Manhattan, 
and uh, Chicago and Los Angeles and Hollywood. And all, it's all for some, somehow, somehow, I don't know. I don't know how. But everything was for Tyra. Everything was for Claudius and everything was for Tyra. So that Claudius should be Isaac by Tyra. That's the purpose of this world. It's a new way of thinking, maybe, for us. But that's the emiss. That's the Hashkafas HaTayra 101. That the Shvil HaTayra, you don't have to go deep into Raj. You don't have to be a Mavis Sedra every week to get this. It's the very first Pasuk in the Tyra, and the very first word in the Tyra. Bereshis is the Shvil HaTayra Shnikoreshis. So everything is for Tyra. A few years ago, five years ago, Klal Yisrael were treated to one of the most amazing experiences. It's, it's by far, I think, the greatest experience that I ever had in my life. Of course, my wedding, but besides for that, um, the CMS Shas in MetLife Stadium, 90,000 Yidin came together in this open-air, beautiful stadium. That football team's playing. Do you think that it was built for the football teams to play in? I think it was built for these Mishigayim that in, in sub, sub-freezing sub temperatures they should go, like Adam Rishon Taitim they should be sitting out, you know, without anything on, just like painted on their, on their bodies, you know, their team logo, and, and sitting with, uh, with, with cheese wedges on their head. Is that the point that the stadium was built for? You tell me. It was all built... Kadeshis asked about Tyra that Klayisrael should have a place, a venue that we could celebrate the CMH Tyra, the CMH Shas every seven and a half years. When we outgrew Madison Square Garden, there was MetLife Stadium, a brand new, spanking clean stadium for Klayisrael to use. It was all the Manat Tyra. It was not built for football, and we happened to hop that, you know, we could use it also for Tyra. It was built for Tyra. If they didn't build it with that in mind, then they're shaitan, but they're not shakranim. If down the road the person who built MetLife Stadium says, I built it for Tyra, he would not be wrong. He's a shaita for not believing it, but he will see clearly how everything was in fact built for Tyra. City Field. I was just in City Field. I gave a Dafyaimi share last Sunday. The OU had a magnificent event. Tower, New York. A whole day of people, speakers giving shurim. Thousands of people came. It was for City Field. It was, it was a hop that, you know, they found a venue in City. City Field might have been built for New York Torah. That's why it was built. It wasn't built. It wasn't the opposite. Everything is, you have to look at everything backwards after today's shmooz. Whatever you see, look at it for Tyra and say, okay, and we'll let you use it. We'll let you use it for football, for baseball, for basketball. We'll let you use it. But it's ours. It was built for Tyra. It was built for Klal Yisrael. We'll let you use an airplane. We'll let you use a car. We'll let you use a bicycle. We'll let you use a scooter. We'll let you use a moped. We'll let you use everything. But it was built for Tyra. I had a aura, and I wanted to share it with you. I know it's late. We just celebrated Lag Baimer, and there's a Gemara in Shabbos on Lag. It's 
So only daf, you know, you don't have to be a bucky and chas to remember. You want to remember the Gemara by Rishim ben Rishim Yechai and his son Rabbi Lazar, who was in the Ma'ara in that cave for twelve, for 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 all those years, and um, for twelve years. And why did they go into that cave? Everybody knows they were in the cave. Why were they in the cave? What did they do wrong that they had to go into hiding again from the Romans? What did they do wrong? Anyone know? The Gemara says on Lag, on Shabbos Lag, Ahmed Bez, that there was a group of Tanam that were sitting around the Yehuda, Rabbi Yaisu, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Yehuda starts speaking. He says, umazu. How great are the Romans? Uh, let's give them some credit. Umazu tiknu shvakim. Look at what this, what this, these Romans are incredible. They built marketplaces, tiknu gisham, they built us bridges. Tiknu merchatzais. They built merchatzais. Great people. Rabbi Yaisi was sitting there, Shasak. He didn't say anything. Nene Rabbi Shimba Yechai came up and says, Kalmasha Tiknu, like Tiknu, it's Atman. They all did it. Don't give credit to the Romans. They did it for themselves. Tiknu Shvakim, Leishaban Zainais. You know why they built those marketplaces for immoral purposes? To put Zainais in. Merchatzais, Adaman Atzman. Gisharim, why they build bridges, Litaman Meches, so they can put those toll booths up. Easy pass and get all those taxes coming in. Somebody got wind of the fact that Rabshimba Yechai said this, snitched on him to the Romans, and the Romans put on all point bolt, and we have to chap. And that's why he went, he ran into the Ma'ara, 12 years, he came out, wherever he went, he got so upset at people, him and his son, they saw people planting vineyards and, 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 and planting and doing all types of agriculture works, and they said, what are they doing? What are you doing for? It's all for Tyra. And they were burning up the world, wherever they looked, at people critically, they, those person, those people turned into a heap of ashes. Until a Baskel came down and said, Lahachriv, I love me, it's awesome. Did you leave my, did you leave the cave to destroy my world? And they went back for another 12 months. And then a Baskel came out again, leave the cave, and they went, and wherever Rebeleza was still very, Opposed to everything that he saw physical going on in the world, Tyra, Tyra, Tyra. But Rib Shimon Bayechai said, "Bini, It's enough in the world. Don't burn it up. Wherever, whatever Abu Lazar would set a flame, his father Rib Shimon Bayechai would heal, would stop. And then they saw a man running on Arab Shabbos in the marketplaces, holding two hadasim. They stop and they say, hey, what is that for? He says, this is L'Kavit Shabbos. Echa k'neged zachar, v'echa k'neged shamar. It's for Shabbos Kaidish, I'm running. And when they saw this Yid, Amr le'i l'brei, Rabbi said to his son, Chazik ha-machaviv in mitzvah Yisrael. Look at how beautiful mitzvahs are to call Yisrael. Yosef datayu. And at that point, they, they were appeased. I wanted to say the Pshat and the Gemara, based on what we're speaking about today, is that Rav Shimbayechai, when he was saying about the Romans, that they did it all for themselves, he was basically giving the shmuz that I gave today. 
And he was basically saying that everything is for Tyra. Don't give credit to the Romans. They did it for themselves. Everything is for Tyra, though. It's Mamash the same words as the Gemara Navajazara. They're Shaitim Shabayam, they're fools. They built everything. Don't get fooled by the Romans. They didn't do it with Shem Shemayim. But you're right, everything is for Tyra. Everything needs. Everything was really from the Rabbinic Shalem, so we should be able to learn Tyra. And there's no Yisrael in this world other than Tyra. And when they went into the cave and they came out with the Zayar and they were, they were even more intensified with that Hashkafa that everything is for Tyra. There's only one problem. That if you live with that mentality that everything is, with, everything is purely for Tyra, which is a thousand percent true. But if you go through life with that pure Hashkafa, you can't survive in this world. Because a person at the end of the day needs to work. A person has to plant and a person has to harvest. A person has to be a doctor and a person has to be a lawyer. A person has to be able to do normal, routine activities. We can't live in caves. We have to be out in the world. We have to do what we're supposed to be doing. And so, when he came out of the cave and we were destroying the world, the Bosco came and says, hey, you can't destroy my world like this. With all the Ashkafas that I'm giving you, and you're right. You're right. The briskerov was right, they're shaitan, but everything is for Tyre. That's a thousand percent true. But you still have to live a life. Chizulam Arashtam, go back into the cave and recalibrate your Ashkafas a little bit. And they came out, and Rabbi Lazar was still very fiery with his Ashkafa. Rabbi Shem Bayechai says, you're right, and we'll live that lifestyle. The Gemara at the end of the Kedushan says, Harbi also Rabbi Shem Bayechai, a lot of people try to do this and it didn't work. It's a hard life to live. You have Yechidim that are able to learn Yom Valayla and not be engaged in the world. But most people can't and it often doesn't work that way. And a person needs to at the same time as understand that everything is for Tyre, but at the same time if you say, have a volume to the whole world, you're going to burn up my world, you're not going to be able to survive. And they saw this Yid running on Arab Shabbos. A yid that was not a, necessarily somebody that was learning in Kailal Yom Valayla, not whose Tairasai was in Nasai, but a yid that went and worked hard every single day. But came Shabbos, he had to adasim, echakinaget zachar, echakinaget shamar. Ru'u kama chavivin mitzvah al Yisrael. What he meant to say was that you could be a balabas, you could be a regular yid. You could be a yid that works the field every single day, a farmer, a dentist, an architect, a PA. You could do everything that you want as long as you're able to have chavivas ha-mitzvah, as long as you're able to understand that I'm doing it l'kavad ha-tayra l'kavad Shabbos, I'm doing it for the Rabbeinu Shalom. Then everything is l'man ha-tayra as well. There are two different directions that a person can take. You can take an approach that I'm all Tyra. And that's amazing. But it's equally amazing if a person is able to say, maybe it's not for me, but I'm able to work and learn every day and be kaveitim and have an understanding that the money that I'm making, I'm going to raise a family that's Tyra Dick. I'm going to build yeshivas that are, that are proper yeshivas, build shuls, build mikvahs, all for Tyra. I'm going to myself have it all for Shabbos. I'm going to keep Shabbos properly. I'm going to learn on Shabbos. I'm going to have a Tyra existence 
and at the same time be able to be Isaac in this world. And this is a very important part of the shmuz, because if you'd walk out in the middle, then you'd mamish think like Kehelis, like, you know, it's Havel Havolim, this world, what am I doing? If it's all Amana Taira, then, then how dare I do anything but Taira? And that is an approach in life. But there is another approach in life that you could do everything in this life. As long as you're being Mekadeshit for Tyre and for Mitzvahs, that also gives it great importance, great holiness. You're infusing it and investing it with Kedusha. And that is something that was Mephayis, even the great Rabbi Shimba Yechai. With his Ashkafas Tyre, with everything was for Tyre, all the Merchatzais and the Gesharim and the Zarazano bridges, all for Tyre, granted. But that doesn't mean that we can't go and do our regular mundane activities and infuse them and elevate them with Kedushas HaTayra and Kedushas Yisrael. And that's also a very acceptable lifestyle. So as we approach these days of Shavuos, we're going through these weeks, it takes on a whole new complexion. When you go out during these weeks and you see the sun, realize that the sun was not a sun for the world, it was a sun for Tyra. The moon was for Tyra, was to Lamayadim. The Pasuk says right away at the beginning, even Maisa Bereshit says, What's Mayadim? You're talking about Pesach Shavuos Yeah. The moon was here so that we could establish Yom Taivim, period. The fish and the meat and the and human beings and the trees, and the, everything was for Tyra. Somehow, some way, some are easier to understand, some are harder. Everything was for Tyra. And this is, the world was re-accepting that. The world was being reintroduced to Tyra during these seven weeks, Kimei Oilam, like the Sheshis, Mebreshis, and Shabbos, which was Mount Tyra. And we have to understand, we have to look at the world with that perspective, that everything is Tyradic. Everything is for pure Kabbalah Satyra. But that shouldn't necessarily change any of our lifestyle decisions. We could still do whatever we're planning on doing, whatever we're doing could also be tired. It could also be, if we have the machshava, then we're not shaitan. If we have the machshava that whatever we're doing is for Tyra and for Klal Yisrael, and we think about that when we're building, we're constructing, when we're doing, we get schar for all the Tyra that's coming out as a result of our labor. Mitzvah Hashem, we should be zeicha to the proper Ashkafas HaTayra, we should be zeichet to be makabal the Torah ba'ava, and to not only be makabal the Torah ba'ava, but to be makabal a whole new world ba'ava, and to see the world through this rarefied viewpoint of how everything was created for Torah and how everything was created for Klal Yisrael. Have a good chance.